What time is it? Game time! Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship! Davis! Oh my god! Davis is going to run it all the way back! Auburn's going to win the football game! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Game Time with Garrison and my co-host, Garrett. It is good to be back with you after taking a bit of a hiatus, two-week hiatus. Uh, I was at a conference in Kentucky. And then I was the next week actually visiting uh, my friends out in North Carolina, including my co-host Garrett. Uh, Garrett, it's good to be back with you recording an episode. It is. It's good to be back talking college football. Um, yeah, I've been traveling the past couple of weeks as well. Uh, went to a great wedding this past weekend in Colorado. Um, but yeah, it's good to be back uh, talking college football with you. Yeah, and stay tuned, folks. Uh, we're, we're College basketball is right around the corner as well. So uh, Garrett and I will be giving you all details as to how we're going to be starting to cover uh, the, the the court as well and the recruiting news there, the the maybe a kind of an overall breakdown show in the next week or so uh, because, hey, basketball is ready to tip off, and, and we love that sport too. But before we get there, and before we jump into what we're looking at this week, uh, we got a recap as well. I mean, we got to go all the way back to week eight. And uh, there were certainly some big primetime matchups. And I want to jump in right away to kind of the cream of the crop. Now, nobody got to hear our predictions or anything for this one. But Garrett, I had Ohio State coming into this, into this one. And they defeat Penn State in a very defensive battle death taxes and big 10 football 20 to 12 was the final score. Penn state's offense was just abysmal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think this is kind of what a lot of people expected Two of the best defenses in the country playing. Um, and I mean, both of them showed up, but I think this is a big win, obviously for Ohio state. Um, it, I think it's enough to put some of the doubters to bed because People said it after the Notre Dame game. Oh, this game puts them over the edge. But, I mean, Notre Dame's been really struggling as of late as well. And then people still didn't trust the offense. People still didn't trust Kyle McCord. But to go against Penn State, arguably the best defense in the country, easily a top five defense. Uh, and they, just like in the Notre Dame game, they didn't go out and just uh, light the world on fire. They weren't, you know, he wasn't slinging all over the field. But right. When it came down to it in the second half, when they needed to score to secure a win and uh, kind of put it away, they were able to put drives together. So I think it's just going to be a, you know, they're not going to have a great offense. That's not the, that's not the way they're going to win games. They're going to rely on the defense and and they're just going to trust that McCord and the offense is good enough to make enough plays to where they can beat you in these types of low scoring games. You know, if, if they do end up making the playoffs and they have to face a team like Washington, um, maybe you get a little bit worried that right because we saw we we saw that with Oregon. Oregon's got a great defense as well, but Washington was still be able to put up points as you know at will. And Oregon had a good enough offense to keep up and make it a close game. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Ohio State has that. If the defense breaks and Washington's able to put up you know thirty plus points, I don't know if Ohio State's got what it takes to to keep up with them. But right, um, you know that they, we they've shown it now against Notre Dame and Penn State that. They are, uh, they do belong in that 
top four conversation. So yeah, uh, I think this is just gonna you know it's gonna come down to that last game against Michigan, and I think winner probably gets in. Losers on the bubble, we'll see. Right, right, and and that's the game we've been circling all year. Anyways, is just in Michigan. By the way, and I don't have them in this recap, but looking mighty impressive as they demolished Michigan State forty nine to nothing. They 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 look like one of the best teams in the country. Um, but to your to your point about Ohio State's defense, Drew Aller, Penn State's quarterback, was eighteen of forty two, hundred ninety one yards through the air, one touchdown. He didn't throw a pick. But Penn State was also one of 16 on third down, 68 total plays for only three and a half yards per play. And then on Ohio State side, like you said, they did just enough. Kyle McCord, 22 of 35, 286 yards, one touchdown. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, 11 receptions, 162 yards, one touchdown. He is him, as Prime would say. And Ohio State mm, marches true, on. True, true. But, that helps uh, when you got a struggling quarterback and you got a receiver like Marvin Harrison you can rely on. It's, whenever things get tough, you can just throw it up to him and let him make a play. So Shoot, Harrison's um, down there somewhere. That, that, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that, that helps for sure. And that, and that helped them get that win. And now, how about we head down to the Southeastern Conference where Alabama defeated Tennessee by a score of 34-20. to and, you know, this was kind of an interesting one, Garrett. Tennessee outgained Alabama 404 to 358, still lost by 14. They had seven more penalties than Bama, eight for 55 yards. Bama only had one for five yards. Tennessee was also over three on fourth down. Joe Milton was 28 of 41 for 271 yards and two touchdowns. And he also led the team in rushing, which is never, in my opinion, a great sign <laughs> when your quarterback's doing that. 15 carries for 59 right. yards. Uh, Marquarius White, he had a good day. 10 receptions, 111 yards, and a touchdown, which is great against an Alabama secondary that has been pretty pretty solid all year. So uh, for him to do that was great. But to me, this was a case of bend, don't break. As, and, and that's what happened a lot of the time for Tennessee. They they would move the ball, but then they couldn't punch it in when it mattered. And, and that's why we're looking at that score, 34-20 to 20 in favor of the Tide. Yeah, um, I mean Tennessee came out hot in this one first half. Uh, they were up twenty to seven, but then in the second quarter, the second half was just all Alabama. They be you know twenty seven nothing right uh, in that second half. So yeah, I've shown a lot of resiliency. I think Alabama bounced back really well from the Texas loss earlier in the season. Right, and you know some people have sort of put them on the outside and uh, figured that they weren't going to be able to make it back into the conversation, but. They've got a chance uh, they run the table. There, There is a path for them back into the playoffs if they keep playing this way. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of quarterback issues to work out. Milrow was a little shaky early on, uh, and I mm-hmm. think that contributed to the, to the Texas loss. But, uh, I mean, he's playing really well, and I think down the stretch, if he can keep improving, they're, they're definitely a dangerous team. You don't want to play them. Right. So, right. yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I think Alabama still deserves to be uh, considered one of the best in the country. Right. No, at least in the conversation. I mean, Milrow, like you said, he was only 14 of 21 for 220 yards, t- two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, but they, were, like we talked about coming into the season, they were, this is going to be more of a prototypical Nick Saban-Bama team that where they re- relied on the ground game. Uh, Jace McClellan, he uh, boasted most of the carries for the Tide, 27 carries, 115 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And just a pretty prototypical win for Alabama, I would say. Just run the ball, be physical, 
let your defense do most of the talking and they are marching on with yet another solid win and and for Bama and we look ahead at their schedule uh, they take on LSU next week now LSU is obviously out of the title conversation uh, that you and I or excuse me this is November 4th not next week Uh, so they've got a bye week next week uh, but they'll be playing mm-hmm, at LSU right. November 4th. So circle that one on your calendar, folks. That There could be some fireworks there, LSU's offense. Even though their defense is not elite, their offense certainly is. So there's there's going to be some entertaining play going on there. But we well, let's keep this moving on. Garrett, this is – I was surprised with this one. I think most of the country was. Virginia, arguably one of the worst Power 5 programs in the country, knocks off – North Carolina, 31 to 27. Well, what the heck do you make of this one? Uh, I mean, this is a shocking outcome. We, I think we just talked about it on the last episode about UNC has such a great chance at, I mean, it's, uh, it's running the table as it is to believe. Yeah. Potentially making the playoffs if they can just, cause they have an easy schedule the rest of the way out. And, uh, you know, really in the uh, the ACC championship, if they could get a win over likely a a Florida state, right. They got a good chance of making the playoffs. And to this is the last game that I thought they'd lose. I think they have an easy one. uh, If I'm not mistaken, now two weeks from now, they got to play Campbell, but I would honestly, I don't know if Virginia's even that much different. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if Virginia's even that much better. Uh, I mean, they're (laughs) one of the worst teams in the FBS and, yeah, to lose to them is is I mean I don't think it's something to read too much into into saying uh UNC's a bad team or anything like that. Right. I mean these things happen. Um, it maybe they just got way ahead of themselves, weren't really taking it as seriously. I don't know. Um, you know, Tez Walker, their new addition, he played really well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, giving up thirty one points to Virginia is just I don't know that's just uh it's a tough loss and that's yeah. it's heartbreaking I know they had high hopes this season and this is the last game they expected to lose but I don't know what happens that's the that's the tricky uh part of college football is you if you actually want to make the the playoffs you kind of have to have a perfect season and and a lot of times these this is what trips a lot of teams up is it's not the prime time games uh, it's can you show up every week, even against a, a team like UVA with one win on the season, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you know, it, this is a situation the UNC program hasn't really been in historically. Sure. It's somewhat new territory for them. And maybe they just don't have that. I don't know the experience necessarily. I mean, right. Mac Brown's been there before, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think they just overlooked it and weren't taking this uh this team seriously enough and that'll happen to you right and you know it honestly virginia came out and played lights out i mean this they had two turnovers in the red zone this could have very easily been a 45 to 27 win in favor of virginia but they pulled a virginia and turned it over twice in the red zone and uh, for those keeping score at home this is uh, virginia's first win on the road versus a top 10 team as a program so kind of a big history making day for virginia and they had 228 yards rushing on the ground compared to unc's 143 uh 37 minutes of time of possession so north carolina's defense which by the way is kind of a mac brown staple 
being able to get teams off the field quickly. Uh, it that they just couldn't stop Virginia on third down. They couldn't get them off the field. Uh, North Carolina again only had 22 minutes of time of possession, so they're they're very quickly kicked off the field. And then Virginia had three players rush for at least 66 yards each. Three. So you know I. Like you, I'm kind of shocked sitting over here looking at Virginia. I was like, where where has that been all season? <laughs> are are you telling me you had that uh, up your sleeve and and could just kind of pull that out here against a top ten program in North Carolina? So, and, and like you said, I don't really want to read too much into this loss for North Carolina. I, they could still very well have a good rest of the season here. Uh, like you said, they play Campbell in a couple of weeks. They play Georgia Tech next week. In theory, they should be favored to win that one. And they're still ranked 17th in the country. So if they do run the table, and let's take a look at the rest of their schedule here. They're currently at 6-1. and one. They could go and uh, beat Georgia Tech, Campbell. They got Duke at home, Clemson. They're at Clemson. And then they're at NZ State. So still have a chance to put some impressive wins on the board. But uh, as far as a playoff contender, even if they win out, uh, you know it, it might be a little bit trickier with that loss. So... But nonetheless, a, a very impressive win for Virginia. Um, just a couple of more games here that we wanted to touch on before uh, we look ahead at week nine. Florida State, a pretty impressive win, Garrett, over Duke, 38-20. to 20. And uh, this was a game where Duke actually jumped out and was kind of putting it on Florida State. But uh, Florida State once again shows that they have the composure to hang out hang on and bounce back yeah I mean, we saw week one against lsu played it tight in the first half then ran away in the second half and that's that's what they did against uh duke uh yeah florida state really good win for them i think duke um i mean yeah like you said they they jumped out to an early lead and riley leonard He's got that ankle injury, but he played this game, came back a little bit early probably, uh, but he toughed it out and he tried to play. And when he went out of the game, uh, they were up, I believe, 20 to 17 when he went out. Right. And then after that's when Florida State went on the run. They scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and kind of ran away with it at the end. But, you know, when they had Riley Leonard, they they were keeping it close. They were scoring. uh, They were they were scoring with Florida state. So, right. mm-hmm. you know, maybe if, if Riley Leonard played the rest of the game, they could have won it, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, I think unfortunate for Duke again, that they, they had a really special season going The Riley Leonard injury really hurts, but, right. um, I mean, either way, Duke's got a really solid defense and for Florida state to put up three touchdowns like that in the fourth quarter to secure it is really impressive. So, um, Florida State's had some doubters with the close games they've had recently, but I think that they they deserve their uh, their top five ranking. I think that they've once again proved that the offense, Jordan Travis, they're rolling, and they've got a really all around solid team. That they do, and they improved to seven and zero on the season. Looking ahead, they take on Wake Forest this Saturday. It's at Wake Forest, and they got Pittsburgh, Miami, North Alabama. Circle that one on your calendar. No, I'm kidding. Then they got uh, Florida November 25th to end things. That's at the swamp. And I don't care who, you know, it, it, if if Florida's having a down year like they are, I don't care. Playing Florida State at Florida at the swamp 
that's going to be a tough test. And that's, I think, where we'll really oh, yeah. see where the Seminoles' medal lies uh, heading into yeah. playoff time. Yeah, I mean, if they if they go into that top five and Florida has a chance to ruin their playoff hopes, then that's definitely going to be uh, a tough task regardless. So, right. yeah, that's a, that's a big game for sure. Right. Moving on. Garrett, Utah just has USC's number. Utah takes down yeah, USC thirty-four to thirty-two, and all of this is done, by the way, without Utah's starting quarterback Cam Rising, who's now been shut down for the year. Uh, so, th- is it is Kyle Whittingham just low-key the best coach in the Pac-12? He might be. I mean, it's interesting because the way they've been winning games so far this season is with their defense, and the I mean, that's kind of their their specialty USC right. was still able to put 32 points on which is impressive uh but I'm just shocked that Utah was able to put up 34 points I mean right. is USC's defense just that bad <laughs> um I mean maybe it is they gave up 247 yards on the ground uh um, right yeah and like you said rising they shut him down for the season he didn't play but they thought he was going to come back any week now decided he's not going to play this year uh, they were using Nate Johnson for a while, but then they switched to Bryson Barnes and he's been playing the last couple weeks and he looked really impressive. 61% yeah. completion, three touchdowns, only one pick, uh, had 57 yards on the ground. So maybe they found something to spark the offense to, right. to match how strong their defense has been. Um, and if that's the case, I mean, I'd kind of written off Utah just with uh, their sure. offensive struggles. I didn't think that they would be able to compete with teams like Oregon or Washington, but you know, if they've, if they've actually found something on offense, I think that uh, I don't, I don't, I still wouldn't pick them to win right. Pac 12, but I think that they're going to be a much tougher out uh, for teams like Oregon and Washington. So yeah, uh, impressive win for Utah for sure. And uh, you know, just mentioning Oregon, they play Oregon next week. So That'll be uh that'll be a, a great matchup. And for USC, another disappointing loss. You know, you mentioned Utah just being their kryptonite. Right. They ruined their season last year, put the nail in the coffin this year. And um yeah, disappointing for disappointing for USC. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the drawing board for the Trojans for sure, as the the current formula is not working. And I, I was listening to the Joel Klatt show where he kind of broke down USC as a team and he just talked about how uh, the offense is not designed to be an air raid offense like it is. It's meant to be kind of a, a run-and-shoot kind of offense. But if the run game is not consistent, and to be fair, it's not going to be consistent against Utah. They're just that good on defense. But it forces Caleb Williams into these tough positions where he's literally got to, he's got to do everything. And mm-hmm. in a lot of games, he's been able to. But when you run into the more elite talent in the Pac-12 or heck, whoever they're playing, that's not gonna—it's not gonna look the same. And so as a result, you know, he—he kind of had that uh, the mediocre outing, 24 of 34, 256 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, so Utah really kept him in check. And then the best rusher for USC, Marshawn Lloyd, only got 86 yards on the ground. And you know, uh, Utah's formula is just to run the ball and control the clock, and they did just that. 247 total rush yards, like you mentioned, 34 minutes time of possession to USC's 25. 
And then when you got an elite defense like Utah does, that that's just a pretty winning formula. Although I will say I do feel bad for uh, USC's uh, defensive tackle, number 90, when he came flying in to try to make a deflection on the pass. And it just so happened that his momentum was carrying him into Utah's quarterback. Very unfortunate. And then he gets ejected. I, mm-hmm. I, I struggle with that call just because it, clearly the intent was not to do that. And it, he was going for the ball, trying to make a play. Very remorseful on the sideline, obviously, as he he really felt like he let his team down. And then Utah would go on to kick the game-winning field goal that drive. So it's certainly a bummer yeah. for the for the young man there and the Trojans in general. But like you said, Utah, uh, I mean, they play Oregon at home, and their schedule doesn't get any easier looking ahead. That's kind of a, a the ring of death here as they, after that, they take on Arizona State, who almost beat the Huskies, the fifth-ranked Huskies, last week. And then they play at Washington in Seattle. And I'm, I have a feeling we're going to see a better version of that Husky team that game as they'll probably come out ready to play. So Utah's got a, a tough road ahead, but out of the South, I like them to have a chance to go to the Pac-12 title once again, despite how the rest of the season may turn out. So powerful game or a big win for the Utes. And I brought up the Huskies. I want to throw them in here with Oklahoma and Texas. All three of those teams who are fighting for the chance to go to the playoffs survived some really close upset games. Now, when you look at all three of these games, Garrett, do you think that there's any cause for concern with these three teams? Or do you think it was more of a wake-up call and they'll bounce back going forward? I think most, for the most part, they're all just sort of wake-up calls, and I don't think that it's too much of an indictment on any of these teams, um, especially Washington. I think, you know, right. a little bit of a trap game after Oregon. Uh, and We've seen Arizona State play some of these great teams close. Um, and, you know, the fact that Washington held them to seven points, and right. the problem was that their offense could only score 15 points. But I don't think anybody's questioning Washington's offense. I don't think anyone's going to be saying, can Washington score against these good teams? They just proved against Oregon. They've been proving it all season. So right. I don't, I'm not I'm definitely not worried about Washington. Um, Texas and Oklahoma. Um, get, I'm definitely more worried about Oklahoma's uh, giving up 29 points to UCF. Because I think the main thing in question right now is their defense. Right. Uh, you know part of what makes their defense so great is their ability to force turnovers. They're really aggressive. They get a lot of sacks, tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, they give up a lot of big plays. They're aggressive, but it's a little bit risky and they give up a lot of big plays. Right. They've been giving up a lot of points, yards recently. And so I think that that's an area of concern for them for sure. And mm-hmm. that's this UCF exposed that a little bit. So yeah, um, uh, Plumley. They made Plumley look like a legit, you know, top ten quarterback. <laughs> the the way he, he was able to sling the ball around. Right. Yeah. And so that's definitely a little bit worrisome uh, in terms of a potential Texas rematch, or you know, even a playoff team. If they have to face someone like Washington or even Michigan and Georgia, that's uh, that's their defense can be put to the test, especially. You know, they thrive off of turnovers. Like I said, that's that's the big part of their defense that makes them so, you know, tough. Right. But when you face a team that can protect the ball, which that's the big thing. UCF didn't have a turnover this game. And so it really limited Oklahoma's defensive ability. 
to to make a difference and you know it almost cost my game but uh regardless they made it out with a win same with texas i'm not too worried about texas uh i think we know how good their defense is although and jumping in just really think- quickly what do you think about the injury concern with texas as quinn ewers is probably shut down for the next couple of weeks yeah i saw um arch manning might make an appearance and no big deal i mean yeah it's i think it's gonna get a lot of uh eyeballs on that he's got one of the biggest names in college football, even though he hasn't really played yet. Right. Um, but they, the schedule coming up isn't too difficult. Uh, the rest of their season isn't, they're not going to have to have any huge games. I mean, Kansas State's a decent team. Right. Um, but it's at home. Right. And uh, I, they just don't have any premier matchups to where I'm really worried that uh, a freshman quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback is going to be making mistakes. Right. So. I'm still pretty confident, even if even if yours were to sit uh, the next three game, three or four games, I'm not too worried about them. I think that they still have a strong enough team that they're going to be, get through it. The, the, the rushing attack for them is so strong. I think they can rely on that to beat most of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week against BYU will give us a good test. Um, right. But... I just don't. I don't see them losing any games, even if Arch Manning is starting the rest of the way. Now, now, if yours was going to miss, you know, the rest of the season, and they were going to have to go play Oklahoma in a Big Twelve championship with Arch Manning, then sure, I would say uh, they're pretty screwed. But <laughs> as long as right. he can come back by the end of the season, I'm I'm not too worried about Texas. Yeah, yeah. And for those at home, they take on BYU this Saturday at uh, at home. That's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And BYU, I mean, that's a team that went in and beat Arkansas on the road. So BYU does have some quality wins under their belt. But again, the overwhelming firepower of Texas should should be of note as uh, Texas moves forward. Keep an eye on Oklahoma going forward. Uh, is OU for real? Um, uh, UFC really had them on the ropes at, at times. So, but now... Garrett, we've got week nine in front of us here. And I'll be honest, kind of a slow week in comparison to weeks past. But we were just talking about Oklahoma. So I feel like we should just keep rolling with them. Uh, Number six, Oklahoma goes on the road to Kansas. And this is a Kansas, this, this is not the Kansas of old, ladies and gentlemen. This is a Kansas team that can put up points and can really cause cause problems. And this is an Oklahoma defense who just struggled against UCF. So uh, what what are we looking at here, Garrett? Yeah, I think that this is will be a good opportunity for Kansas to get, or for uh, Oklahoma after that scare to bounce back and get a quality win and let their defense prove themselves against a pretty decent Kansas offense. Now, Kansas was rolling and they had that uh, matchup at Texas where they got blown out and and kind of took the wind out of their sails and nobody really kind of went back to irrelevancy, but you know, it's still a really solid team. Um, Their offense, they're scoring 36 points a game. Uh, They they have a great rushing attack. They're running for 211 yards per game, 12th in the country. They're really efficient both uh, through the air and on the ground. So I think that that's going to be a good test for that Oklahoma defense. You know, we talked about that being their biggest weakness. 
So going up against a Kansas offense that's really efficient, uh, that'll be a good test to see if, you know, if they can't get turnovers, if they're not uh, getting a ton of tackles for loss and pressuring the quarterback, getting into the backfield, if the aggressiveness isn't paying off, are they going to be able to actually stop Kansas and prevent those big plays? I think this is right. going to be a great opportunity. Um, Kansas lost Jalen Daniels, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, right before the Texas game. Right. Uh, so people kind of wrote off Kansas for that as well. But Jason Bean stepped up, and they lost last week at uh, Oklahoma State. It was a sh- they lost in a shootout, thirty nine, thirty two. But mm-hmm. Jason Bean, he was able to keep up with them, and he threw for four hundred ten yards, five touchdowns. Uh, did throw two picks though. So I think that. I mean, I'm not taking Kansas to win this game by any means, but I think it's going to be a really good test for the Oklahoma defense to get back on track. Um, but I think that I think they will be able to, you know, force turnovers, stop the run, force Jason Bean to beat them. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. I don't really right. trust him, trust a young quarterback doing that. But and I think that the offense is just for Oklahoma is just going to roll through Kansas, um, you know. They've got one of the best passing games in the country. Dylan Gabriel's playing amazing. They're throwing for over 330 yards a game. And Kansas' defense is just pretty abysmal. Um, They're 96th in the country and opposing passing yards a game. And they aren't great at forcing turnovers. So I just think that Oklahoma's offense is going to have a field day. And Kansas is going to be able to put up points. And um, I think this is a good, it's a, like I've said it, but I think this is a really good opportunity for Kansas, Oklahoma's defense without the pressure. Cause I think their offense can be able to be able to put up points at ease and you're going to see Kansas just airing it out to try mm-hmm. and keep up. And so it'll be a good test for the defense to see if they can actually stop someone without really having to worry about losing the game. If that makes sense. Right. I don't think the game's ever going to be in worry, but that's just something to keep an eye on is that Kansas offense uh, versus Oklahoma defense matchup. Yeah, I I tend to agree with your overall sentiment. I I think Oklahoma offensively has shown that they're they're pretty darn elite and they're going to be able to move the ball, especially against a Kansas defense whom uh, historically in for this season has had their issues, you know, uh, stopping the run and then getting picked apart through the air. We saw that last week against Oklahoma State. Now coming into this game against Oklahoma, who's gone up against defenses like Texas and they've still been able to move the ball effectively. So, yeah, I, I've got my concerns for Kansas. The only thing that makes me think that Kansas can really make this game interesting is the fact that they're at home. And there's just this energy in Lawrence that I've I've seen when they play at home. They get, all, they get a lot of TV games when they're in Lawrence just because it's interesting. Uh, it's kind of fun to see a rejuvenated Kansas fan base and Kansas team and the way they've been playing, and they got plans for the new stadium, and everybody's all in on this Kansas football program going forward. So there's something to be said for that energy at home that can have a lesser team just come out throwing haymakers, and suddenly Oklahoma's thinking, wait a second, we were supposed to just roll in here and, and do our thing, and suddenly we're we're on the ropes a little bit. So I think we right. could see at least early a little bit of that. Maybe Kansas jumps out to a quick 10-0, 14-3 lead, but then Oklahoma steadies themselves and and comes back and and kind of asserts their 
talent difference and their their dominance on on offense. Um, I, I'm definitely I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win this game, but uh, I think Kansas could make it interesting and um, definitely one it could be a fun game to tune into. So, um, elsewhere, let's go to uh, we talked about Duke earlier as they lost to Florida State last week. Garrett, what do you think when they go on the road to number 18, Louisville? Which version of Duke are we going to get? It's tough to say. Um, you know, Riley Leonard, probably not going to play this week. Re-injured right. that ankle in the Florida State game, like we mentioned. And I just don't think that this offense is the same without him because he's such a threat running the ball. And, you know, that's what their offense is predicated on. They don't want to be passing it. They're 115th in the country in passing yards per game, only throwing it for 173 yards. and But they're running it for almost 200 yards a game. That's top 20 in the country. That's that's what they want to do. And they do it really well. They're 10th in uh, yards per carry in the country. So, But when they don't have Riley Leonard, who's such a threat running the ball, it makes it really difficult. We saw they could not move it against Florida State once he went out. And so... That was going to be my biggest concern for Duke. Uh, now, their offense has never been the strength of the team. The strength has always been the defense. And, you know, they're only giving up 14 points a game. And they're really good uh, defending the pass. They're uh, fifth in the country in passing yards per attempt given up. So I, they're always going to have a chance just because of their defense. Right. Uh, I think they're going to be able to slow down this Louisville offense. We've seen Louisville struggle at times. We saw the NC State game. They really couldn't move the ball at all. And I think that we could see them struggle similarly against Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't trust the Duke offense without Riley Leonard to be able to move the ball uh, because they're going to have to run it. And Louisville's run defense is pretty stout. They're giving up less than 100 yards per game and uh, only 3.1 yards per carry. That's 17th in the country. So, right. um, yeah, I think that this is going to be, if I had to guess, you know, I'd say it's a pretty low scoring affair. And I think I'm going to have to go with Louisville on this one just because I think if Riley Leonard was playing, I would like Duke. Mm-hmm. But with uh, the backup in there, Henry Bell in the fourth, he's a freshman. And like I said, he doesn't provide the running threat that Riley Leonard does. So I think I'm going to have to go Louisville on this one. Um, I think that they're going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively against Duke. Uh, I like Duke's passing defense. Uh, I think Plummer's going to have a difficult time, but I think Louisville's going to be able to do enough in the run game to to get the win. Right. And I'm going to keep the show very exciting and agree completely with you. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I think, love to see it. Yeah, exactly. Just both hosts agreeing on everything. What's even the point? I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, Duke, it, it, one of the things that jumped out to me from last week's game when they were at Florida State was when Kirk Herbstreet, who's been covering this game for a long time, stopped and and said, you know, these floor these Duke, this Duke secondary, you you put the Florida State jersey on them and you wouldn't be surprised. And that's just how mm-hmm. the difference in athleticism we're seeing at Duke now. Um, so I, I think that Duke is going to be able to keep this game competitive. But I just remember watching that Louisville versus Notre Dame game where Notre Dame just looked outright mediocre on the road at Louisville and the energy of that right. place was, was popping. I think we're going to see a little bit of the same cause this is a top 20 matchup. And even though Riley Leonard's not there, I think Louisville 
is going to come ready to play. They're going to they're going to want to go seven and one on the season, and you know, I, I think just a bit of a misfortune when it comes to Duke that now they're. Uh, their really special season, as you mentioned earlier, is kind of being derailed by injury. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, at at the end of the day, I think Louisville is just built to win kind of a grinded out game like this. They've done it all year. I mean, uh, they they had they've had close games all over their schedule. I mean, we saw with NC State that ugly thirteen to ten game. Uh, we saw, you know, against Indiana twenty one to fourteen. You know, they have had moments where they've really jumped out, but all in all, um, I think this Louisville team is built to win this kind of a game. So I'm taking Louisville in this right. one as well. And that brings yeah. us. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, um, just to, to, to clarify, Leonard, Riley Leonard, he's, he's questionable for the game. Uh, I, I doubt he plays, but he, he, if he does play, um, you know, he was playing with an injured ankle against Florida State. He only ran the ball one time the entire mm-hmm. time he was in there, and he's in there for over half. Uh, over, I think it was the third quarter he got injured in, if I'm not mistaken. But he played at least a half of football. Um, but he was not a running threat at all. So I think even if right. he does play, it it hampers the offense a lot. So right. Um, yeah, I think either way, uh, I I still like Louisville in this one. Yeah, I mean to your point, he threw seven of sixteen for sixty nine yards, and when he doesn't have his legs. Uh, to be able to make him that dual threat. Um, I, I just, I, I like Louisville's ability to just kind of keep him stationary, keep him locked in the pocket and really keep a lot of pressure on him. And even then he's not, if he, you know, and then if they pressure him, you know, he's not going to be as escapable. So um, right. it, I, I think that would just be a tough ask for Riley, depending on how bad his ankle is. Um, and just judging by that hit we saw against Notre Dame didn't look great. So, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I, I think, agree. I think he's going to need some time to get, to get moving ahead. So Louisville and Duke, uh, you can check that game out. That is on, uh, of course I just closed out of it. That is going to be Saturday at three thirty Eastern time. You can watch it there. Um, how about let's go to the pack 12 or actually no 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 before the, to me that's kind of the headline game Oregon and Utah let's go really quickly I agree I agree to number one Georgia versus Florida um I mean I both I, I think I know what both of us is going to say I, I think Georgia's you know the, the heavy favorite but there's just something to be said about rivalry games like this and Florida versus Georgia they have a lot of history yeah and you know it's going to be uh in in Jacksonville uh, it's always going to be a tough, a tough out. I still like Georgia, you know, they're 14 and a half point favorites. I think, um, I think they're just that good that right. a game like this is, you know, maybe, maybe they can, um, maybe it's somewhat of a, a trap game playing at Florida, but I just, I trust Georgia enough to neutral where site. I'm not, it's a neutral site game. Yeah. Oh yeah. In yeah Jacksonville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jacksonville. But yeah, I'm not uh I'm not too worried about them in this one. I think that uh I I, I like them to win with ease and uh honestly I'd kind of like them to cover the 14 and a half too. Well, in their their last meeting uh, last year of course, Georgia won 42 to 20 and uh all-time series Georgia leads 54 to 44 with two ties as well. Um largest victory for those wondering, was back in 1942, where Georgia won 75 to nothing. But 
the longest win streak goes to Florida. Uh, actually, both Georgia and Florida have win streaks of seven each. So 1990 to 96 for Florida, 1941 to 48 for Georgia. Sheesh, they need to get working on that. Um, but nonetheless, Georgia current win streak has two, 2021 to present. And I'm thinking it's going to be just more of the same for them. Uh, this this Florida team, they they have talent, you know, they have pieces, but when they're faced with a team that can just blow up their run game, which is what Florida has relied on really the the last couple of years for Billy Napier's squad, um, it, they they like to run the football, and it just so happens that they're playing against Georgia's defense, which doesn't want to let you run the football, <laughs> and so uh, I think Florida is just in for a tough a tough day against this defense we've we saw it against kentucky where they couldn't even move against kentucky's defense so um right i'm I'm looking for georgia to make it three straight in this one yeah i will say that uh georgia's not gonna have brock bowers in this one so there's maybe a glimmer of hope that hopefully florida can they can try to slow down georgia's offense but you know, I, as amazing as Brock Bowers is, I think that Carson Beck and the rest of the offense is a bit underrated. I think that, and I think they're going to prove that they're not just one dimensional. They don't just have to go through Brock Bowers to be successful. So, uh, yeah, like I said before, I, I still like Georgia in this one pretty easily. Well, there you go. All agreement. And now we come to the game that everyone's been waiting for number eight, Oregon. At number thirteen, Utah. I mean, this is this is looking like a pretty special matchup. Two great defenses, and then, like you said, maybe Utah has discovered something on offense to where maybe they could keep up with Oregon. And it's at Utah, so uh, some big things here for the Utes. Yeah, um, you know, a couple weeks ago I would have said this is going to be a blowout, but Utah proved that. They can keep up with some of these teams like, uh, you know, beating USC. That's a huge win, regardless of how USC has been playing recently. So um, it's it's hard to pick against Oregon. I think Oregon is just such a complete team. Their, their offense is obviously one of the best in the country, especially on the, with the run game. They're number one in the country and um, yards per rush attempt, averaging over six yards a carry. Uh, we saw it against Washington. They had over 200 rushing yards. The running backs had... 33 carries for 190 yards. Uh, Bo Nix is playing incredibly well this season. 78% of his passes completed. Uh, 19 touchdowns, only one pick. They're uh, they only have one turnover the entire season. Um, they just they don't give anything. They protect the ball. All their ground game is amazing. So, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they've got 25 sacks this season. They're very stout against the run, especially. Um, top 10 only allowing in uh, rushing yards allowed only allowing 86 yards a game. So yeah, I think that they're just so dominant on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we saw Washington have success throwing it against them. I don't like Utah's offense nearly as much. I know Bryson Barnes had a good game against USC, but you know, we've seen how bad USC's defense is and, You know, it's hard to say is Utah's offense legit or is their USC defense that bad? And I tend to lean towards saying that USC's defense is just that bad. Right. Um, so, I mean, Utah's defense is amazing, you know, um, especially the run D. 
They're only allowing 81 yards a game, 2.9 yards per carry. Uh, so very similar numbers to what Oregon's defense is doing. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can slow the run game down a bit, but then at the same time, Bo Nix can do it through the, you can do it on the ground or through the air as well. Right. And I think Utah's defense is going to be a little more susceptible through the air. Mm-hmm. And I think Bo, Bo Nix is really going to show his, uh, his, um, his passing ability this week. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I just don't think Utah's offense. I mean, this is gonna be a much tougher test than USC, and I really do not trust Bryson Barnes to be able to move the ball against Torin's defense. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be able to get to him. They're gonna get a lot of sacks. They're gonna throw him off, and I just don't, I don't think they're gonna be able to keep up with Oregon. Right. Yeah, and, and in years past, you know, I would be uh, to me this would be a game that Oregon was just destined to lose. You know, they they have a great season leading up to a big game like this on the road, tough environment. I just would not trust the Ducks of old. But this this iteration just it has a different feel to it. Especially when your quarterback Bo Nix, I mean he's had he's got what 55 starts under his belt or something like that. Uh so a little bit of experience yeah. and he's not going to be rattled by environments like this we saw he he played really well in seattle even though the huskies came out on top barely um to me oregon's defense travels and they're gonna they're gonna bring it against utah a team that yes they scored they did put up 34 against usc but i'm with you i i just think usc's defense is that bad um and so i'm not really blown away by utah's 34 Against if they're able to do something like that against Oregon, then suddenly Utah, whoa, uh, are they back in the playoff conversation? Right, yeah. But um, you know they they they've got a good run game, but uh, because I think Utah's pass game is a little unknown, I think Oregon's going to be able to pin their ears back and really throw off the timing of the offense and really mm-hmm. load the box and say, I dare you to try and beat us over the top. They've got some they've got some talent in that secondary, some SEC talent that. Uh, uh, coach Lanning has brought with him from his time at Georgia and it Oregon just looks athletic and long and uh, they're going to cause problems regardless now for Utah like you said uh, I think they like to more keep the the offense in front of them and with Oregon that's going to be tough I think Oregon's going to want to go over the top and they have the ability to do so so we're really going to see how good Utah's defense actually is here they struggle a little bit against Oregon State on the road and whatnot uh, with uh, DJ Ungale or Ungaleli, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got it. Yeah, close it up. And I, I think we're going to see a little bit of the same here. So I, I'm going to take Oregon. I think they're for real. I think they're a, a a playoff contender. And it's a shame that this isn't a you know a, a 12 team playoff because you know you could argue that Oregon should be in it. Um, but then again, it, it also takes away from the special, special feel of games like this. So, um, in any case, right. I, I think I've got the ducks going into Utah and getting the win, uh, should be a great game regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't know if I said earlier, but yeah, I've got Oregon, uh, in this one as well. I think, yeah, just the, the dual threat of, you know, they're probably, uh, easily a top five team on the ground um you know number one in yards per carry like i said but then at the same time they're throwing it for almost 330 yards a game so right it's just they can beat you anyway and i think utah 
yeah, they may be able to slow them down on the ground, but their their pass defense isn't is not nearly the same level as their run defense. You know, the run defense is elite, which bolsters the whole defense as being one of the best, but the pass defense is it's it's not one of the best in the country. And I think Oregon's gonna be able to expose that. So right. Yeah, I've I've got Oregon as well. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, we're in agreement on all the games we looked at here in week nine of 14. And, uh, man, the college football season is just humming along at this point. So there you go. We'll see if uh, Garrett and I, the experts, in quotes, have it right. <laughs> um, hey, Michigan's in the news. And it's not for their on-the-field prowess. It's once again for their off-the-field issues as... Michigan has been accused of sign stealing and essentially here's kind of the gist for the fans at home where it stands right now is that the Wolverines coaching staff is being accused of advanced scouting, sending a staffer to watch other teams games and practices, notating and recording all of it as much as possible. And this sounds like, I guess for me, this sounds like some a lot of teams might engage in. It's not supposed to go on, though, at least according to the bylines set down by the sports governing body. Since 1994, NCAA rules state that coaching staffs cannot send members out on road trips to opponents' games. It was introduced as a cost-cutting measure, but the intended effect was to prevent teams from gaining an unfair advantage. However, there are many observers, both inside and outside of college football, who believe the practice happens more often than most fans and media realize, and not just with Michigan, but all over the NCAA. So there's kind of the overall gist of what's happening with Michigan. And uh, uh, Garrett, I guess just well, what are your thoughts overall? You kind of know where I lie on this. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's a tough one anytime something like this happens because there's not just a set. Uh, it's not a set cut and dry, you know, all right, you did this. This is your punishment. It all seems a little bit, you know, just kind of a, the punishments are just applied seemingly randomly. Uh, the NCAA is not very good about consistency, that's for sure. But, right. I mean, in my opinion, so a lot of the infractions we see that get investigated and punished are off the field issues, uh, like recruiting. That's probably the biggest one that gets punished. And so, right. When things like that happen, I definitely understand not wanting to punish like the players and the teams for what they do on the field, you know, postseason and stuff like that. I agree. Um, I'm fine keeping that as off the field stuff, like fines, things like that. But right. I don't know. To me, when you've got very clear evidence of a team cheating in terms of on field, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're cheating in each game they play and stealing signs and getting an unfair advantage in that way. To me, I feel like that warrants on the field punishment, whether it's bowl bans, um, vacated wins. Uh, I don't really care about that. Maybe some people do, but um, I don't know. I, I would not be surprised if Michigan get gets a, a postseason ban for this. Um, I think that, I don't know. I just think it sets a bad precedent when you've got a team dominating you find out that they've been you know essentially stealing signs for three years knowing what plays the opposing team's got to run all the time you find out that they're cheating like that and then you just uh you you let them go on and play in the championship game like it i don't know it I, personally i i'm 
I wouldn't be upset if they gave him a postseason ban. I don't know how quickly they're going to act. And obviously, Michigan's having a historic season. They're looking like one of the best teams in the country and a favorite to win it all, uh, along with Georgia. So a punishment coming in now, like a postseason ban, would be, I mean, that would cause a huge uproar. And I don't know if the NCAA is going to do that. I don't know how quickly they can move, but maybe the Big Ten could step in and say they're not going to let them play in like a, a conference championship or something like that. I could see that happening too, since a lot of the cheating happened within their conference, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. Um, they just came out with uh, an updated report. Uh, the NCAA did. ESPN came out with the article on it, but um, I think the official number right now is that uh, the assistant um he bought tickets to 35 different games over the past three years um at 17 different stadiums and they have video evidence of people sitting in those seats that he purchased uh just using their phone to video the opposing sideline the entire game so i mean to have clear-cut evidence like that to me warrants uh some type of punishment in the term or in the uh the realm of uh you know, post game or post season suspension or post season bans. Um, and I know that, you know, some people aren't going to like that. Uh, some people think that, you know, everyone's doing it, but I just don't think that you can just let something like that go without punishing it. Because if, if, if Michigan's allowed to just, you have clear cut evidence that they're doing it and they're still allowed to just continue on as if nothing happened. I don't know. I just think it sets a bad precedent that you're just going to say everyone can do it. And maybe maybe everyone does do it. But if that's the case, then I don't know. I, I show. I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence. And I'm sure if they have evidence, they would investigate them like they did. They did Michigan. It seems like most of the coaches in the Big Ten kind of agreed that Michigan was doing this. And that's how they got, you know, people investigating it in the first place. So, right. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's my opinion on it. But I mean, I understand it's a pretty, uh, pretty divided situation. Right. And uh, before I jump in, here's what uh, Coach Harbaugh says. He said, quote, I do not have any knowledge or information regarding the University of Michigan football program illegally stealing signals, nor have I directed staff members or others to participate in an off-campus scouting assignment. I have no awareness of anyone on our staff having done that or having directed that action, end quote. So... You know I despise the NCAA, Garrett. <laughs> that so of course I'll just course. come come right out and say it. I think it's a, a bloated joke of an organization that has been inconsistent, indecisive, and frankly pathetic in a lot of rulings over the last however many decades. It's oversaw you know uh, college sports at college athletics in general, and it, to me they just make inconsistent rulings regarding. Players that are allowed to play, you know, like this year we saw it with, uh, you mentioned North Carolina's player randomly. Oh, yeah, actually, you're allowed to play now uh, because we're, we're right. catching a lot of heat. Uh, Colorado, they had a young a young man transfer over their way, and they denied his uh, option to play, even though that, you know, there are reports that football was really good for his mental health. Sorry, too bad. You're not allowed to for random reasons. Um, and... Uh, throughout uh, again throughout its history it just really strange rulings it seems as though they're just trying to keep some form of power over how things have gone which has really begged the question do we even need the ncaa but i digress Uh, to me 
I, I guess, you know, that with evidence like that, you know, having gone uh, coaches, having gone to potentially what, 35 or 38 games, as you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. and you know, they're, they're videoing the sidelines, then, uh, I, I do agree something does need to be done, uh, in that sense. I, I don't think I'm in favor of Michigan getting a postseason ban this season by any stretch of the imagination. I, it, it to me it seems interesting that oh now we're gonna do it that it seems like you're one of the best teams in the country and have a chance to really pull off something special here. We're gonna rob all these young men right now. Um, to to me that would just be the NCAA trying to showboat or something like that and really really stick it to a big program and say, no, 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 we, we have the power here, which they don't. Um, I, uh, I would be in favor of something like maybe losing scholarships or losing, uh, losing some access to the transfer portal. Um, you know, ba- uh, maybe future postseason games, you know, take that away. If, if this is indeed all true and, uh, the evidence comes forward and shows that, but, uh, to me, it doesn't matter if if Michigan hadn't been stealing signs in this season. I think they would be just as dominant. I mean, the Big Ten looks pretty weak, frankly. The the competition they've been going against, you know, uh, UNLV and Rutgers both six and one, sure. But uh, you could ar- <laughs> you could argue that Michigan would probably have been doing the same thing, uh, regardless of sign stealing. That's just the caliber of players that they have on this roster. Um, and so I really don't think it would make a difference this year um and, and Michigan in the past hasn't won uh, they've they've won some big 10 championships so like you said perhaps the big 10 could step in and next year say well you're not going to the big 10 championship and it, it the the other thing they have to consider here is you don't want to be beholden to a coach or anything like that but Jim Harbaugh if if he gets handed a big time punishment here he's probably going to go to the NFL that's just my gut feeling. I mean, he, he's been courted by a couple of teams in the NFL, and he's going to see something like that and go, mm, I'm out of here. And suddenly the Big Ten just lost a, a big personality, a big coach who has brought stability to uh, one of their biggest money makers, which is Michigan. And uh, so, you know, that it's kind of a side angle that they're probably going to have to consider here. And then again, I just point to the fact that uh, – Likely, maybe not the fact, but likely, every team should be investigated at this point. I mean, if we're really going to come out and say, ha, we've got Michigan. Well, we should go around to the other teams across the country and do the same thing. Um, so, you know, to me, uh, this is just the NCAA kind of, we, they were coming after Michigan earlier this year as well over uh, Harbaugh maybe giving food to a recruit or something like that, something just ridiculous. And now here they are again uh, coming after him for the sign-stealing stuff. And even Paul Feinbaum, a guy I rarely agree with, came out and just said, "Uh, it just seems to be a little bit of uh, targeting Michigan here. And um, so uh, I, if, if this is proven to be true, then I do think some punishment should be handed down. But... I don't think this current iteration should be punished uh, for stuff that happened like two, one, two, or one or two seasons ago that they didn't even know about. So there's my gut reaction to this. Yeah. 
I mean, I yeah, I I understand what you're saying, but to me, in terms of the, you know, everyone needs to be investigated. I mean, you know, Georgia's went back to back national championships, and so no, you haven't heard anything about them cheating. Maybe they are, but and Alabama's been a dynasty for you know fifteen twenty years. I don't know how how long ten fifteen twenty years, and never heard anything about them cheating either. I mean. So I don't think that just I think the idea of Michigan saying, oh, now we're really good. You want to come after us? I think that's a little ridiculous. I mean, when was last? I mean, they they, they lost in the first round to TCU last year. Like, it's not like they're just the, the big, bad giant. Like they're they're so dominant now. Like they're, they're, they haven't won anything. Georgia has been dominant. You don't hear anything about them. Alabama has been like a, a dynasty. You never hear anything about them. So. I don't know, and I don't like the idea of future punishments because that seems like you're punishing a, you're punishing players who they weren't even there when all the infractions happened. So that seems to me more unfair than punishing the current team that actually was cheating. To me, but well, why are we saying I that the know. players I, cheated? Well, because I, I mean, obviously the players themselves aren't stealing signs, but they're the ones on the field while playing with an unfair advantage. If the players on the field are the ones knowing what play is going to come, then they're obviously playing with an unfair advantage over the other team. So to me, I, I mean, if you want to use that, then I think I, I, why would you have any coaching rules? You know, I mean, the rule, I, if the rules in place to not steal signs like that, and they're blatantly doing it and getting a big, I think, I mean, I think that's a pretty big advantage to know what plays are coming like that. So I don't know. In my opinion, I just think that when you're cheating, in a way that's not, I mean, I understand recruiting off field, it's whatever, but on the field, when you're gaining an unfair advantage over every team you play, and they even are going out and scouting non-conference opponents too for the playoffs. Um, I, don't, I just think that like, if you're going to say you're allowed to cheat and get an on-field advantage and know the other team's plays that are coming and you're just going to get hit with scholarship, uh, scholarships, fines, whatever, maybe some future, yeah, future scholarship losses. I mean, what team's not going to sign up for that? I've, and that's like, that's almost an endorsement. Like, Hey, all it costs is your scholarships and you can go steal signs and know what other team, other plays the teams are running. I mean, I'm signing up for that all day. You know, I feel like that just sets a bad precedent when you're just going to allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, again, just given the NCAA's history of how they handle these things, I'm, uh, I'm very skeptical of how all this is coming out at this point in time. And, and, uh, you know, once again, I think, well, then let's be consistent here. You go investigate everybody else now. Um, that, because I, I'm by and large, uh, I'm pretty positive that, you know, that similar things are being done at other programs to gain this advantage and whatnot. Um, you know, that this is all, uh, I don't have the numbers to back it up or anything like that. But, you know, teams with this much money involved, things are things are being done off the behind the scenes that maybe we, the average viewer, are not aware of. Um, So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the NCAA actually does in this scenario. But, um, you know, definitely, definitely putting a bit of a dampener on what uh, otherwise has been a fantastic year for Michigan. As uh, as I mentioned, they defeated 
Michigan State 49 to nothing. And uh, Michigan, it's kind of funny. Michigan State was threatening to, uh, wanting essentially the game to be canceled. Uh, but hmm. all, all the comments were essentially saying, yeah, you were going to get blanked regardless. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Michigan State's the, the best argue on that one. Right, right. So in any case, uh, they asked, uh, they asked uh, Penn State's coach about it. And, um, I mean, obviously he can say whatever he wants, but he, uh, he was saying something along the lines of, you could tell when you played Michigan that they were just running plays that made no sense. And the sense that like they would send out something that they had game planned for to be like a, 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 a twist play that they wouldn't expect to come. And Michigan would just always be lined up perfectly for it defensively. I think the example he gave is it'd be like a fourth and one and they'd send out a full heavy package. Uh, and then they'd game plan, they'd call a play for like a, a some sort of deep shot that the defense would never expect. And Michigan would come out in like a, a cover two for no reason that no one would ever come out in in a fourth down or a fourth and one like that. Right. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, maybe he, I guess he could make that up, but um, I don't know, just an interesting insight. It'll be, because I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the reason they investigated them was because a bunch of coaches complained that they suspected Michigan of doing this. I don't know. I, I think that's what it what started it, but I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear other people's perspectives who played against them. If they have similar stories for why they thought that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I think more as more comes out, we'll get a better picture of it. Cause it seems like, you know, every few hours or so, a new updates coming out about it. So we'll just have to wait and see. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, whether the Wolverines are guilty or not, the damage is done. And I think Michigan's kind of forever going to have a bit of a stain on its name, even even if it's cleared, supposedly, of wrongdoing. Because even then, people are going to say, oh, that's the NCAA mucking it up again. Um, right. So that, Just like the Patriots, you yep, know. Yep. Uh, I think Michigan's kind of getting screwed a little bit on this one. But we'll, we shall see as the evidence comes forward and what the NCAA, Big Ten, et cetera, what the governing bodies do there. So um, before we go, you know, uh, we, we had talked about uh, covering some recruiting here and whatnot. Uh, uh, Garrett, I think we do that next week. So I'm making an audible here. And I just want to hear your gut feeling for the top five or so teams or, or who do who do you think gut feeling wise should be playoff teams at this point in time do you think the ap poll has it right uh what what are your thoughts there so if the playoffs started today mm-hmm. who would be the top four exactly uh in my opinion i would have to go georgia what not michigan no, I'm I'm cheaters no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> no georgia michigan and yeah, the AP's got it. Ohio State and Florida State is the next four. And it's just so hard to tell with those top six because they're all undefeated and right. they've all got really quality wins. So deciding between them's you know I what? Mean, Let that's them almost all in. No, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Georgia and Michigan are the, the easy locks. And I'd probably have to go with, um, man, I wasn't prepared for this. I know. I, I'm pulling an audible here. You, you, how about I go first, and then and, and you? How about, and you, how about this? I'll say 
I'll say Georgia, Michigan. You you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to put Penn State. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, <laughs> uh, like you said. And then I. Ohio State had a really good win against Penn State. I will give them that. But I've got to give style points here to the Huskies. I've got to put. Yeah, you, uh, maybe move Florida State up to number three and then put Washington in at four. Uh, I, I, I feel like the Huskies have done uh, have really moved the needle and they have some style with it as well, which it, this is, let's be real. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a power ranking, what we're coming up with here. Um, yeah. And, and I just think the Huskies just look better. They look like a playoff team. They look like a team who could go beat Georgia, frankly. Um, yeah, they got I agree, a, a Heisman contender in Penix. I, I've just got to go with the Huskies. So I would say Georgia, Michigan. I'll maybe, uh, may, honestly, maybe switch Washington with Ohio State, put them at three, and then put Florida State at four, leaving them there. Um, I, I think that would be my top four Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. Yeah, I, it's, it's tough because, you know, who who deserves the top four is a lot different than who do I think the four best teams are, and it seems like every year that's the that's what the argument comes down to. It no one really knows how they decide. I think it, college football playoff rankings are supposed to be top four teams regardless, but right doesn't always seem to be that way because you know Saban always has that argument when they get left out is uh you know we're we're I think everyone agrees we're the t- a top four team. But just because we have the a loss or two is going to keep us out. But right, um, which we all feel for Alabama. No. <laughs> right, of course, yeah, uh, yeah, no. But if I'm going top four teams, I think I've got to go Georgia, Michigan. Uh, I actually, I'll, I'll put Ohio State in there. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and it, it comes down from me, Florida State versus Washington and Oklahoma. Uh, I think I'd take Washington over Oklahoma and then mm. it's really a toss up between Florida state, Washington, but um, I, I think I'd have to go Florida state. I think I'll have to stick with uh, the AP on this one just because I don't know. I think um, I like Florida state's defense a lot. And I think that, their offense, I, I really like Jordan Travis still. I think the offense is still really solid. Probably not as good as Washington's, but I think the defense is the difference maker there. So wow. Um, and yeah, so to me, I think, I guess our only difference would be Ohio State and Washington. Right. Um, I think, um, I just think Ohio State gets it done. I think if you're looking at Ohio State versus Washington, who would win that game? I like. I think that their defense is good enough to slow Washington down. I know that they were able to put up points at will against Oregon, but um, I, I was going to ask how how what is slow down? Uh, are we talking they instead of forty they get thirty? Um, I mean possibly, but I think that they could. I mean, I don't, you know, obviously they could put up fifty on them, but. I don't, I right, just think that, right. that their defense is good enough they could even hold them to twenty or fourteen or seventeen or but, three. I mean, obviously, just, I mean Arizona State just held them to fifteen, so it's not out, out of question. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen anybody be able to just run it up on Ohio State. They faced right. a lot of good offenses. Uh, Notre Dame could only get 14 on them. Maryland has a high-powered offense, only put up 17 on them. Penn State's been scoring a lot. Not a great offense, but they still score a ton of points and yeah. um, only able to put up 12. So, yeah, 17 is the most they've given up all season, and they've faced some decent offenses. So, um, yeah, I just I think I would just trust their defense a little more uh than i would most people and right i think that i think that uh i i just think that they've proven that their offense is good enough uh to win games i think they're good at keeping games close and right yeah i just i i trust them i know that it's not necessarily i'm ranking on best teams and i'm not ranking on earned but i think that they've earned my uh, my trust that to win games, if that right. makes sense. Like I, I think that if they were going against Washington, obviously Washington, I think it's an amazing team, but I just trust or Ohio state to find a way to win. Right. And I, and I think that's a fair take uh, for sure. And I, um, at the end of the day, I, I just think today's today's game of football favors offense. That that's just my gut. It just the way the rules or have been changed uh, the way that they protect the quarterback, the way the pass interference is called these days. I just think the rules favor the offense. And when I look at these offenses, I think, man, <laughs> nobody has figured out how to stop Washington. And that was including an elite Oregon defense, which I, I think Ohio, you know, maybe not as good as Ohio state, but it, they're close. And, just the talent that Washington has is they're at their wide receiving core and the way Penix has been able to just pick part defense after defense. I think the Utah defense will be another good test just to show how good potentially they are. But, um, you know, I just, to me, you're going to have to put up more than 20 points to beat the Huskies. That's just my gut feel there. Um, it really looking at those other teams you're probably gonna have to put up more than 20 against those other teams too um it, so for me uh, that that's why i made that call there i could see the you know the the florida state argument as well i mean that florida state's body of work just very impressive and and they've always responded positively to challenges and adversity so it, you know i could see that florida state take as well so bit of an audible there but uh, folks, there you have it. That's our that's kind of our playoff preview, as it were, in week nine of the season. I'm sure it'll change next week. <laughs> but um, Garrett, any final thoughts here? Uh, we were going to talk about recruiting, but maybe next week we can go a little bit more in depth as we look ahead at uh, 2024. Uh, I don't think I've got anything else. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's about it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of Game Time with Garrison and Garrett. Uh, next week, we're going to talk some college basketball. We're going to do a preview of what we think will happen next season. We might we might even do two episodes next week. One for football, one for basketball. But then going forward, maybe we can sprinkle in a little bit of both. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but in any case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's good to be back with you guys, and we look forward to uh, some more shows coming up in the weeks ahead. 
And thanks so much for joining us on this ride. By the way, if you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. Give us that five-star review. Share it with your friends as we hope to grow this show. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.